Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Aaron Schneider. And I'm Angie Fryermuth. Today we are talking with Nicole Comiskey, the Environmental Infrastructure National Program Manager, and we're going to talk about the CORE's Environmental Infrastructure Program. Thanks for joining us here today. So glad to be here with you. Thanks for having me. So, Nicole, before we jump into talking about the Environmental Infrastructure Program, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with the CORE? Sure. I've been with the federal government for more than 13 years now, and the last three of those have been with the CORE. Prior to joining the Corps, I was with the Department of Treasury's Office of Gulf Coast Restoration, where I helped to stand up and administer grant programs for awarding Clean Water Act civil penalties from the Deepwater Horizon oil spill to Gulf Coast states. That's kind of a mouthful. But I worked a lot with Alabama, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas in that role. And before Treasury, I was a program examiner with the Office of Management and Budget with the Environment Branch, and before that, the Water and Power Branch, which is one I had a chance to come to know and love the core and its many important projects and programs. So coming back to my time with the core, I've been with the Future Directions Branch, which is essentially congressional and government affairs. I serve as the Civil Works lead for the team and work closely with congressional committee staff, both the authorizers and appropriators. And in this capacity, as you mentioned, I'm the national program manager for the environmental infrastructure program and look forward to talking more about that. I am always amazed by the background of our core staff. We just have such amazing employees. So thank you for being here today with us. And uh, as Aaron mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about environmental infrastructure. So for the listeners that don't really know much about environmental infrastructure, can you tell us what it is? Sure. Environmental infrastructure refers to water-related infrastructure in cities and towns. So it's infrastructure that supports access to water. So think water storage tanks, water treatment facilities, uh, distribution, water, so those would be water pipelines. and waste disposal as well, so wastewater treatment facilities. The Corps was authorized to provide environmental infrastructure assistance in Section 219 of the Water Resources Development Act of 1992. So WERDA 92 was our first EI, as environmental infrastructure is often referred to as, was the Corps' first EI authorities, and since then, there have been amendments to Section 219 as well as additional EI authorities. So currently, we have more than 200 Section 219 authorities and more than 20 programmatic authorities to provide environmental infrastructure assistance. And Section 219 has really become synonymous with EI assistance at the core And these authorities usually focus on designated geographies, such as cities or counties. One example is El Paso County, Texas. There are also programmatic authorities, so those are not Section 219. And these are more regional in nature. They may involve one or more state. There's a Section 595 authority, for example, that covers Arizona, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah, and Wyoming. 
So it has a much broader reach under that authority. And we've now seen both the House and Senate versions of WARDA 2022, and both of these amend and authorize more EI assistance for the core. So this may mean that the amount authorized to be appropriated for a particular authority will be increased, or a geography might be added, so a county or a city might be added to a given authority, or a completely new authority may be added. So we'll see what comes out of WARDA 22 when that passes. The CORE's assistance may take the form of technical planning, design, construction, and there's always a non-federal partner, often a local or state government entity who owns the facility in question, the environmental infrastructure facility. The non-federal partner is responsible for 100% of operation and maintenance. The emphasis really is on the non-federal partner because the EI program at the core is not a typical water resources program in that it doesn't involve the core planning process. There, we don't have to determine if there's a federal interest in the project or if there's a benefit cost ratio, what the benefit cost ratio is. Of course, with EI, we have to follow all environmental laws and requirements, but the process is different than it is for other core projects. Because it's not a main mission area of the core, EI hasn't been budgeted for in the past, and the program has existed through congressional ads each year and annual appropriations. The focus has really been then to identify useful increments of work that can meet local water resources, infrastructure, and resource protection and development needs. But we really want to focus in on what can get done in a given fiscal year that would have benefit to a community, because we're not sure how much funding will be provided in a given year or if we will get funding in a given year for EI. And so really we want to focus on uh, incremental work that has benefit and that provides uh, assistance to communities who oftentimes are patching together different funding sources to get at what they're looking for. That sounds like a very interesting authority that we have. I think that, like you said, that it's very helpful for local communities to help with a variety of water resource challenges. And so recently, you know, there's been a lot of water-related events, whether it be drought, hurricanes, floods, just climate change-related events. And so can you talk about how environmental infrastructure could be used to assist uh, local governments with their water resilience? Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, droughts, floods, uh, climate, all can exacerbate issues that are already going on with environmental infrastructure. And by looking at opportunities to expand systems, strengthen systems, or overhaul systems, we can help address some of these concerns or issues in local communities. 
for drought and flood, environmental infrastructure can really be used to help support sustainability for a community. So one example is using a pipeline to take discharged water from a wastewater treatment plant and use that water then to support existing vegetation and increased recreational opportunities in an area. So that's an example of water reuse and reclamation where there may be water shortages, looking at ways to take the resources that we do have and be able to use them to the extent possible. And we have looked at you know, what are the opportunities in Western states that have been suffering most from drought conditions? And there are a number of environmental infrastructure projects that could potentially help alleviate some of the situation by uh, supporting water reuse. Thanks. So this sounds like a, a really good program that can help like local governments uh, with some of their water and wastewater challenges. Uh, that they might have. And you mentioned that there's a whole bunch of authorities and 219 has been amended a number of times and programmatic authorities. Like if I'm a small community, how do I know if I have, you know, if Congress has authorized this program for my area and how would I reach out to the core to actually get into this program? Um, having a relationship with your core district is always a great idea and the best way to learn about the authorities that might be applicable for what you're looking for. Uh, there are hundreds of environmental infrastructure authorities and by reaching out to your district, a district can reach out and coordinate with divisions and divisions can then in turn reach out to headquarters. We're happy to look at all the geographies that might be applicable to see if there's an authority that fits. There is a site that includes model agreements for various environmental infrastructure authorities that's on a core website that walks through what several of the authorities are to give a better idea of what some of the geographies that have access to an environmental infrastructure authority. And the core team is also working to make sure that we're tracking all EI authorities and determining like, if we could put those into fact sheets or other um, create other materials to make accessible to the public so that we could have more information readily available at a glance that people could take a look at. Thanks for that. And I think, you know, that's a good thing. Reach out to the districts, figure out if you have the authority. What kind of magnitude are these projects? Are these like $5 million projects, $100 million projects? Is there a limit? Uh, how, what type of value can be seen on these? Each of the authorities has an authorized limit or an authorized amount that can be appropriated. And that's an authorized limit of federal funds. And so one authority, the Section 595 authority, for example, it has a $435 million limit for most of the states that fall under that authority, as well as a $100 million 
dollar limit for the state of Arizona and any projects that fall under the state of Arizona. While that's the limit, that doesn't necessarily mean that one project is going to cost that much or a couple of projects are going to cost that much. You, typically, these are smaller efforts in the two to two and a half million dollar range or it might just be a phase of a project uh, or an increment of a project, a discrete piece of something that could be accomplished and help benefit the community. So really, there are, with all of these authorities, each have different authorization limits. So each discrete pieces of projects or useful increments of work may be funded at a given time, depending on available funding. So it sounds like this particular authority allows us to do quite a bit. Um, however, there, there seems to be, you know, some challenges which requires us to be flexible. And so I'm sure that you have some lessons learned that you could share with our listeners on how they could make this particular authority work for them. So because there are so many uh, different authorities and each of them cover a different geography and have a different authorization limit, it is good know, going in, knowing uh, which authority might fit the project that you're looking to fund. I always encourage folks to think about the phases of like being able to split up a project into phases or into these increments, that thinking about getting the biggest bang for your buck. Like we're looking across the core enterprise and wanting to fund as many environmental infrastructure efforts as possible. What is a particular project for a discrete amount of funding that would create a big impact for a community? So thinking about how you could potentially split things up into pieces. I know there are many communities that are not just looking to the core to see if there could be funding for environmental infrastructure, but they're working with other agencies or with the state and nonprofit organizations. They may have a strategy for a bigger project but thinking about how that could be split into pieces and take advantage of all the resources that are available and leverage the funding that the Corps has through the Environmental Infrastructure Program, along with other resources to be able to, to fund a complete project. So I think thinking critically about how a project can be phased or which elements are ready to move forward and can be done as sort of a, a standalone piece is one thing to to think about or also have started in the last couple of years at headquarters an environmental infrastructure database to collect information on projects that will help us with getting the information that we need to prioritize how funding can be allocated to different projects across the enterprise. And so it's always useful to have good information about the community and what the benefit of the project might be. Some of the details that we're collecting include 
the median household income in an area, the population that will be benefited, if the project will support any jobs, uh, jobs being created or supporting the maintenance of jobs by having a particular project in place as to having a good understanding of what sort of administration priorities that a project may help support and having data on a project that are entered into the, the database, knowing what sort of local support there is for a project, if there is other funding that will be applied to an environmental infrastructure project, all those things are really useful to know. So I'm sure that you have a couple successful environmental infrastructure projects that you could share? Sure. I, it's one thing I wanted to mention that it recently had the opportunity to meet with some city managers and mayors from Cook County, Illinois. They have a Section 219 EI authority. There were several different cities or towns that were represented in this meeting and each person was very enthusiastic about their interactions with the Corps on the Environmental Infrastructure Program. That small projects in the range of one to two million dollars for extending pipeline, uh, for making upgrades to wastewater sewer systems had a very big impact on their communities and I think you hear that over and over again, that a small amount of money for a relatively small amount of money can have quite a big impact. Another a project that was funded in the bipartisan infrastructure law was to section 5061 East Central and Northeast Florida. Putnam County uh, was allocated $5 million, and this was uh, for a community that has nearly 60% of its residents live below the poverty level. They have high unemployment rates, and the funds, the environmental infrastructure funds, were to extend the water transmission lines from the main water supply system, and it really, are going to be used to help modernize the current outdated water system and make sure that the community, which is the rural area of critical economic concern, is having access to water supply. And this can help support economic growth for the community and make sure that the community is sustainable moving forward. So. I think it's really exciting uh, to hear about some of the potential of what relatively small amounts of money can do to support communities in need. Thanks, Nicole. This sounds like a, a really exciting program. Have to encourage our listeners to to check the authorities and see if they have this authority there and then they can benefit from this. So we're nearing the end of our time together today, uh, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to add anything else uh, before we conclude. Uh, thank you so much for having me. We're continuing to look at ways to, you know, as 
the environmental infrastructure program, there continues to be a lot of interest. There continues to be more authorities and authorization limits are increasing over time. So as the program continues to grow and mature, that we expect to have more materials available uh, to be posted online for public use. We have started working at headquarters more with the, the divisions to make sure that the core internally is sharing best practices across authorities and with tools such as the environmental infrastructure database that we are continuing to to make sure that we're tracking everything and prioritizing all the projects so that we can make the best use of the resources that we can. All right. Thank you, Nicole, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, what topics are important to you and people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.